Welcome to the Zill Informer Podcast. I am your host, Alfred Tebex, joined again by Canada's main export, Andy Spatiri. What's up, everybody? And today we're joined by two special guests. Um, I'll let them introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about what they do, and then we'll just get straight into it. So I guess, Eric, you can go first. Uh, yeah, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Eric Buckles. I am a composer that lives in Seattle. And we're here to talk today about Hero of Time, the latest project that um, I released with Sebastian, who will introduce himself in a little bit, uh, which is a 74-minute album of live orchestrations from the music of Ocarina of Time. And if we wanted to listen to it, where can we find it? Uh, it's on Bandcamp. Um, just search for Hero of Time. It's also on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, everywhere basically just search for wherever you like to buy your music and it's probably there cool hey everyone uh my name is sebastian wolf and i'm the founder and owner of materia collective uh it's a it's a video game music company that i started a couple of years ago and uh, one of our main things is basically working together with composers and creators and making really cool things happen sort of like you know, flying out to Europe and spending 12 hours recording an orchestra, uh, playing a bunch of Zelda music. So it's been absolutely pretty cool. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, for joining Yeah. Me. So I guess uh, the first question that I want to just ask, <clears throat> it's to you, Sebastian. So um, I guess in the past year or maybe two years, um, you with Material Collective and uh, Overclock Remixes Record Studio have just kind of like jumped out and started um releasing a bunch and a bunch of music uh, so what really like caused you to start materia collective well it's it's very interesting i've been involved in video game music probably for the last decade um you know in the early days of youtube before youtube uh, i was i was <laughs> playing video game piano covers uh sort of creating sheet music and sharing them with anyone else who was interested in doing that sort of you know helping all the other video game music fans out there who already love the music, basically helping them, you know, embrace it. So with Material Collective, that uh, was interesting. When Final Fantasy VII, the remake, was announced at E3, I think, two years ago, uh, I, made, I made a post on Facebook and asked, hey, anyone interested in putting together sort of a small tribute cover album EP? Um, and essentially what happened was that 192, I think, people were interested. <laughs> uh, we released a very small EP of 87 tracks, about five and a half hours of music. <laughs> and we did it all in about three months. So wow. uh, af after the product was released, and I think it's still in iTunes' like, top 100 soundtracks, uh, you know, it's, it's so cool. Well, essentially what happened was all of us were still there in the group, and we decided, well, that was a lot of fun. Let's keep doing it. And that's, of course, building on the legacy of uh, OC Remix and VG Mix and VG Music back in the day. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. Of, uh, no, I remember having tons of those back in the day. Oh, man. Such a, such a cool legacy. And it's really cool to sort of have Materia be, the, uh, be one of the next steps in you know, innovation and basically helping release licensed video game music. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I've noticed you've done a bunch of remixes and like remix albums. Like uh, the uh, uh, You worked with Game Chops on their underground for... Um, the gosh undertale album oh, then you've done yeah. fallen uh, and stuff but also notice you've put out you were you were the one that i guess i don't know if you licensed the undertale soundtrack or how did you get involved with that um so we're uh, we're toby fox's music publisher for uh for undertale so more than just sort of being a regular record label that helps um you know composers release soundtracks 
we do all of the sort of rights, the licensing, uh, the royalty collection, <laughs> essentially all of the boring stuff that no one else in the music industry <laughs> wants to deal with. Uh, we take care of that. And essentially, we, we approached Toby and said, like, hey, it'd be really cool if we can just handle this for you so you don't have to do, like, emails and spreadsheets all day long, because that's what we do, and mm -hmm. we love doing that. And he said, like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do it. So uh, it's been super cool working with Toby uh, on a lot of Undertale things. And Undertale is really interesting in the sense that uh, I don't remember the last time there was a game that had, I think, 200, uh, 200 remix albums specifically for that game. Yeah, uh, we're we're currently tracking around sixteen hundred uh, cover songs for Undertale. Wow, um, and and something like that just doesn't happen. And of course, that goes back to say, like, what a great game Undertale is. The music's absolutely fantastic, and uh, I'm actually really happy that Materia Collective is helping Toby with this stuff, um, since you know it's it's as important as the music creation ultimately. Mm -hmm. And I know you've also been some original stuff or you published more original stuff like a graceful explosion machine soundtrack yeah that's coming um, out this that's thursday new. um that yeah. was super cool uh robbie Dugway, um man so, so he approached me a couple of weeks ago and said like hey we're working on this really really cool project uh, we can't really talk about it yet it's all super secret and then he hit me just like okay here's the thing it's a switch title it's going to be super cool and um i've been actually playing it on the switch and i'm trying not to get hooked and spend too many hours on it i've been looking it's pretty good on my wish list for uh, for the last two weeks oh get it it's so good uh it's just oh, like yeah. infinite side scrolling um beat em up basically space exploration i don't even know how to classify it anymore <laughs> it's shiny the music's fantastic go download it mm -hmm. uh, but yeah material collective has sort of become um both both sort of a record label thing i don't really want to say record label because it's more of like a general music community for video game folks Mm -hmm. um, so with, with like soundtrack releases, we do really cool stuff. Uh, we help a little bit with marketing, and then also on sort of the more boring businessy side, we do the spreadsheets and accounting, basically. <laughs> so on the flip side of that, then <clears throat> we've got Eric. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you used to work on Zelda Reorchestrated. Um, yeah, that's right. And then not too long ago, you released uh, the Pokemon Reorchestrated um, albums. Right. Yep. Uh, so when I was in high school is when I started working with the Zelda Reorchestrated team. Um, back then, we were just releasing uh, tracks every week. We did Friday updates. We'd post a mm -hmm. new track that we reorchestrated, which basically we just made a transcription of the original song using sample libraries. And that kind of built up this you know, body of experience to, to working with sample libraries to where we actually did start getting more creative with our arranging and we worked on a on an album called Twilight Symphony, um, which we never got to, to formally release. But um, we learned so much from that and recording the choir for it and and just doing the arrangements and working together and learning how to make an album and putting it out there for people to enjoy. I, I remember Twilight Symphony. It's still probably one of my favorite uh I guess orchestrations of a Zelda soundtrack. It's, it's mm -hmm. just so beautiful. I I, I <laughs> love that. I backed it. It was probably one of. I think that was one of the first things I ever backed on Kickstarter. Um, wow. yeah. I remember listening to the to the Pokemon albums actually, and like I never it never quite hit me how good the music was in Pokemon until I was listening to that. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's always that stuff that you hum along to, but I, mm -hmm. I, I never really stopped to appreciate it before uh, I listened to that. So yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, Pokemon I, has has great music and. Uh, the album you're referring to is called Pokemon Double Team. 
Yeah. Which was yep, a collaboration between, yeah, <laughs> it was a collaboration between me and Braxton Burks, the creator of Pokemon Reorchestrated. And uh, for that project, we just decided, oh, hey, um, let's try to make an album of Pokemon music that covers all six generations of the games that were out at the time and um, record it with a live string orchestra. And so we did that. We put, put it on Kickstarter. I got to do all the, the fun music prep stuff, the arrangements. And that, again, kind of led to me being able to do, to do something like Hero of Time, which is even more massive in terms of scale and quality and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Now with- so how would you say that that, like, how, how, how did you build upon your experience using with, with Zelda Reorchestrated and, and Pokemon Reorchestrated um, and the Twilight Symphony when, when coming up with and, and working on Hero of Time? Well, it kind of all just sort of came in incremental steps. Like with, with Twilight Symphony, first we, well, let's let's go back even further. Let's start with Zelda Reorchestrated, mm-hmm. uh, just working with the sample libraries, getting familiar. I, w- I was in high school, so like learning the basics, essentially. Um, in Twilight Symphony, we recorded the choir. We recorded, or we did all the arrangements. Double team, we record an orchestra. Here of time, we record a full orchestra as opposed to just strings. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of been this progression of getting bigger and bigger and kind of um, learning things as we go and picking up new skills. So when it comes to music, then, uh, I guess for both of you, um, depending on how involved you are, what are some of your inspirations when it comes to music or what's some of your favorite music or artists uh, that kind of go into what you do? Oh, where to start? Sebastian's <laughs> Where to start? <laughs> oh, I... Yeah, I, I literally have no no place to really start with any of this. <laughs> okay, fine, I'll start. Um, I I tend to listen to film and video game scores because that's what I do. Yeah. Um, in particular, like a lot of the inspiration for Hero of Time came from uh, all sorts of other film scores or or game scores that have inspired me. And that includes, uh, most notably on, on Hero of Time, would be the Princess Mononoke soundtrack or Joe Hisaishi's compositions in general. Uh, there's a lot of that influence. Some of it very blatant, and people will <laughs> notice that. And and there's a reason for it that we can talk about later. Um, but there's also a lot of Okami uh, influence, a lot of... Um, well, I don't really want to spoil it because I feel like people will enjoy... Uh, listening for these inspirations and making the connections on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair so, enough. Uh, I, yeah. I definitely got kind of. Uh, I, I can see where you're coming from with Okami for sure. Mm. I, I heard things that I was like, this could be from a game. It, it might not be from the one I'm thinking of though. Like there's <laughs> just different parts of the. Uh, there music. was also there was a point in there where I was even thinking that it sounded like uh, Breath of the Wild and Kakariko Village, uh, which yeah. I thought was one of my favorite parts because it. I'm sure the recording of that was before, you know, anybody had heard that track. I just thought it was a neat little uh, coincidence. Yeah. So, well, Breath of the Wild um, actually was sort of some of the baseline inspiration for the album. And that's mostly based on the early footage that we saw at E3 and uh, just kind of what the what the developers had explicitly stated that like Japanese animation, like Studio Ghibli films were the inspiration mm-hmm. for Breath of the Wild. And so that's kind of where I got the idea to go the Princess Mononoke route, the um, more Joe Hisaishi route, and kind of pushing it more in the direction of Breath of the Wild, but still giving it a lot of my own um, influ- personal 
influences that I've had from other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so fair to say that you guys are fans of the Zelda series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about uh, like your introduction to the series. What was your first game? Uh, what are your favorite? What are your favorite memories? So Ocarina of Time was my first game, and it actually happened several years later after the release. Um, you know, I I got an N sixty four for Christmas, as one does back in. 97, 98, whenever it was. <laughs> 98. And um, I guess I guess my parents were not really up to speed with entertainment, so I got Quest 64, um, <laughs> which which is a game that exists. And I actually have an un, I have an un it makes you feel better. I got WWF Attitude, which is really bad. <laughs> oh goodness! Um, but I loved it at the time. Um, you know, I didn't know any better. You know, I was used to. Um, what was I used to? I had. I thought Age of Empires or something. That was my only other sort of holding point for video games, I guess, at the time. And Frogger. Um, but, no, I loved it. And I have an unironic love for the music of Quest 64. But <laughs> then I found out, you know, what all of my friends were playing at the time, which was uh, Ocarina of Time. And so slowly through, through them, I got to play a little bit of the game and just, you know, fell in love immediately because what's not to love? And that sort of overruled my Quest 64. Like, wow, this is the best game ever. And, well, <laughs> alas. <clears throat> no, it's, I think what Ocarina of Time really did for me was sort of the, 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 the immersion factor. Because you can get lost in the world. And that still remains one of my favorite things about the Zelda universe. You know, it's so immersive. It is very easy to sink into that world and become part of it. Um, the world building, the characters, the, just everything about it, it... It is believable within the scope of the universe. So, I don't know. That's that's something I have a very fond appreciation for. Mm -hmm. No, that that's really well said. Um, I agree with you guys. Completed Ocarina was my first game too, and uh, I was I was writing something the other day where I said you know, I love Breath of the Wild, but to me, Ocarina is still that game. Um, so, is that kind of why you guys decided to to do the music of Ocarina of Time, or was there a mm -hmm. decision to do that game specifically versus another game? Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> um, it's one of your favorites, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to hard to kind of say that Ocarina of Time wasn't a big influence on video games in general, especially when it comes to Zelda. Um, it, it laid a lot of the, the foundations for many of the melodies that are found in the other games. Uh, but that's the, it should also be mentioned that uh, Ocarina of Time used melodies from the original Zelda game and mm -hmm. Link to the Past and other games, but it really kind of cemented a lot of these tracks as like Zelda um, like staples. Tracks. Yeah. I also noticed, like, uh, for Sebastian, you did both times in. That, that was, I think it was your first album um, for Materia Collective, or one of your, like, first ones, not the first one. Uh, work, working with um, Theophany, yeah. That's been really cool. Yeah. Times End and Times End 2 mo more recently. Um, so you've already got some Majora's Mask under your belt. Um, so, like, what, what went into your decision to work with Eric, I guess, on Hero of Time? Like, how did that uh, come about? Well, one of my favorite things is working with very impassioned people who have both the creative ability and sort of the the production and foresight. Um, you know, you know, the video game and artist community is filled with fantastic and incredibly passionate people, but often it's very much sort of a 
um, you know, a side project and passion project, uh, especially for cover albums, and that's fine. Um, but for, you know, the, the scope of the album that Eric was proposing, it's like, oh yeah, we want to record a live album with, you know, uh, a couple of dozen live musicians. I was like, okay, we can do this, but can you deliver? And he's like, yeah, no problem. I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, <laughs> so we actually... <laughs> well, so he's last August, I think it, it was July or August last year yeah, is when we sat yeah. down and uh, we just met downtown Seattle, like just grab some, grab some beer and some food. And uh, like I brought to Sebastian a bunch of ideas that I had for potential video game album projects. And Hero of Time was one of those that I've been sitting on for, for a few years. And so out of all the ideas that I had, we decided that that was probably going to have the most potential to be. Uh, something people really want and people will enjoy listening to and and so i mean after we sat down and we we just said all right let's get started and that's when i started working on the music uh last august and then we recorded in december so it was pretty quick turnaround for uh, 74 minutes of music maybe four months five five months maybe four months of writing (laughs) uh sebastian also i think it was March two months ago, last month, mm-hmm. um, you released the Wild on uh, Material Collective, which is a Breath of the Wild like short EP, I guess. Um, yeah. So how did how did that come about? <laughs> well, um, th- this one was really interesting. Halfway through um, through February, uh, uh, one of the Material producers, um, Ro Panaganti, goes by Swiggles. Um, mm-hmm. He came up to me and said, like, Hey. Can we can we license any of the music from Breath of the Wild? And I said, yes. And so he said, okay, I'm making an EP. It's going to be prog rock. Uh, it's going to be really cool, uh, totally different than any music you might have heard in you know in the actual <laughs> game. And he said, well, how fast can we release it? And I said, well, we can release it at any point after Breath of the Wild comes out. And he said, okay, how about middle of March? So <laughs> he he produced and recorded. Produced and recorded an album in something like five or six days, and then we waited a little bit for distribution and licensing. Um, mm-hmm. Material Collective uh, is sort of getting getting its renown for super fast albums, um, actually pretty good quality given especially those tight deadlines. Um, oh yeah, and mm. um, and and one other thing. Ro just wanted to be the first Zelda music album to be released by Materia. That's why he wanted to, to beat Hero of Time. Yeah, I think that was it. Little <laughs> did he know about I, I don't know if we've explicitly said it yet either, but uh, like, this album is awesome for anyone that grew up with uh, Ocarina of Time like me or anyone that, that didn't even. It's just, it's just a very well put together album. It's awesome. Oh, so you. if we haven't said it yet, you should be listening to this album for sure. That's really good. Cool. Yeah, actually, uh, I've like shout out to to uh, the artwork of the album i really dig it i, I remember the the time's end majora's mask was my background for like gotta be two years or something like that on my uh, on my computer oh that's that's super cool yeah it's it's incredible so, good good music good art good all around <laughs> i think that was um i think Cor- cordell felix did the 3d modeling of that mask for majora mm-hmm. um big shout out to them and I mean, with with Hero of Time, we worked with a couple of different artists, uh, primarily uh, George Houston Hanna, and then uh, Lexo, who did some of the additional album artwork. So then, I guess when it comes to working with uh, the albums, um, and I guess this even applies to the Twilight Symphony, because I remember there were a lot of people involved in that, but there were a lot of people that, um, if you're <clears throat> familiar with the 
YouTube video game music scene, you heard people <laughs> like uh, Jake McCoy, um, Eric Ramos on those albums. And on this one, I think Jake did the uh, acoustic guitar for some of the tracks. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do you reach out to them? Like, how do they get interested in, in this kind of a um, project? So a lot of the, the individual recording artists that we had on Hero of Time uh, are either artists that are in Materia Collective or that I've worked with in the past on previous projects. Um, we had, I want to say, eight or nine, maybe ten soloists. I, I don't have them all in front of me, but um, it was fantastic just to uh, feature some of the talent from within the community a little more and um, and also just get some a little different maybe style or approach to performing it as opposed to what the orchestra might have done instead mm -hmm. so uh, talk about an orchestra then how do you guys think you compare the hero of time to uh, the symphony of the goddess <laughs> um, uh, have you guys had a chance to uh, to go to symphony of the goddess before oh, it's a fantastic concert i think i've gone mm -hmm. twice twice maybe three times um that's actually sort of when when i got to meet uh, a lot of the local video game musicians uh, in san francisco okay. when i was living there uh, i mean the, the orchestrations are just absolutely phenomenal um, especially yeah, like I've been I three mean, times now, and every time it's been wicked. So I actually worked on the concert production team uh, oh, wow. before. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> this was this was kind of in the time between uh, Ziario and Twilight Symphony is when we started working on the 25th anniversary concerts for Nintendo. Um, like I got to to be involved with the E3 announcement where they had the orchestra rise up out of the ground. Um, I was backstage for that and. The, the CD recording that shipped with Skyward Sword was my first recording session with an orchestra that I'd ever been to, um, which was a hell of a way to start a career. <laughs> um, <laughs> Deep end immediately. Um, but so all of, all the music, well, most of the music for that tour was uh, arranged by Chad Sider and um, mm -hmm. orchestrated by his wife, Susie, um, who, who went on to conduct the, the concert later in the tour. Uh, for symphony of the goddesses and um yeah so like if we were talking before about how like all of these other projects kind of built up to what hero of time was well symphony of the goddesses and the 25th anniversary symphony uh were also big parts of that just getting the experience of um learning how to prepare for a session learning how to you know orchestrate uh not to mention all of the other projects that i do with chad and susie um that aren't Zelda related or video game music related, um, which is like, we'll, we'll record a lot of music for other film and game composers. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so one of my favorite moments when I've been to Symphony of the Goddess and it's happened at all three times has been when they do the Wind Waker set and mm. the conductor grabs a Wind Waker. Yep. <laughs> Can you confirm or deny that this happened in recording Hero of Time? Please well... tell me it did. <laughs> It's not the right game for it, so it would have <laughs> would have been a little inappropriate, I think. No, uh, we we didn't have a Wind Waker. I, I think they're selling them now, but um, uh, I don't I don't have one. But uh, that would have been fun. Maybe maybe if we do a Wind Waker album, we can conduct the session with a Wind Waker or something. Hey, that would be cool. Right. Yeah. Cool. You can do it with a with a Deku stick, I guess, for this one. There we go. <laughs> So uh, I I noticed when I was listening to it, and you alluded to earlier that a big part of your inspiration was uh, was different film scores. But but when I was listening to it, I was like, man, it's just it really feels like a movie score the way that it, it ebbs and flows. Mm. 
do you get would you ever try your hand at uh, scoring a film uh yeah i mean that's kind of one of my long-term career goals is to to start writing music originally for uh films and games um and like i was just saying like a lot of the work that i do um that isn't you know here of time type projects uh, is production side for films and for games uh, which involves uh, preparing scores, formatting parts for the musicians and orchestration, and just kind of getting involved with Chad and Susie's production of um, preparing the music to be recorded for, for other films and games. So it's kind of going along with that. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it or seen it. There was a short film released a while back called Fistful of Rupees. Mm-hmm. Um it was like uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly meets Legend of Zelda. Um, there was a track on it that was kind of an homage to uh, Gerudo Valley. Um, Is it like and Morricone style? It, yeah, yeah, like Morricone. Ah, oh, cool. Um, I always mispronounce his name, but yeah, like him. Um, and the way that you guys did Spirit of the Valley, which is probably one of my favorite tracks on there, kind of reminded me of that. Um, mm. So... As you went through the album, how did you decide uh, the feel for each track and the mood for it? Well, for each track, um, we sat down and we decided what what is the story that we want to tell, um, which also kind of determined which tracks we picked to include on the album. Um, for example, uh, the second track um, is called The Man with Evil Eyes. It is based on the prologue of the game, which includes the the events of the Hyrulean Civil War. Uh, Link's mother running to Kokiri Forest, where she uh, that's where she doesn't abandon him, but she leaves him there and she dies. Um, so, like, it's the storytelling uh, idea that we wanted to have throughout the album, and we did we did we had a similar thought process for for all of the other tracks. Um, except the ones that are a little more conservative in terms of um, how how far we took it from the original composition. Because mm-hmm. I noticed that in a, a Feast of the Fire Dragon, another one of my favorites on the album, there was a little bit of Goron City in it, um, whereas yeah. with Dark Waters, you didn't have any Zora's Domain. Well, so Feast of the Fire Dragon is the the portion of the album that we devoted to like the fire chapter of the game mm-hmm. that includes like the Gorons and uh, the boss battle against Volvagia and <clears throat> and um, the idea like the, as the name implies like if you talk to one of the little Goron children in the game he actually says like oh Ganondorf has taken away all the grown-ups and he's going to feed them to Volvagia and like that's terrifying right <laughs> like, um <laughs> And so we, we wanted the track to be about that and kind of put put it in people's minds something that maybe they didn't even really know about the game when they first played it because it's it's kind of hard to find but it does make the world seem uh, you know more more immersive. Mm-hmm. So in terms of dark waters, then how did you decide um, to include or exclude tracks from that one? The Dark Waters is was arranged by David Peacock, who's a fantastic arranger. Um, he had it uh, performed by Augustine uh, Gonzalez, uh, and those two actually produced an Undertale Piano Collections album through Materia, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. You guys should all go check it out. Um, but for Dark Waters, uh, I told him 
for the basis of the track that I want it to be a water temple track that includes the serenade of water and um, has this narrative that like Link goes into the water temple, he encounters Dark Link and like he's basically fighting with himself at this point, metaphorically speaking. And and so we wanted there to be this this sort of inner uh, inner feeling of darkness that uh, permeates throughout the water temple. And I told him I also wanted it to be done in the style of Debussy's Debussy's Sunken Cathedral, Hmm. which is synonymous with water temple. Um, And he he delivered like it's it's such a good arrangement. And Mm -hmm. um, it's probably my favorite on the CD, I I would say. Um, I've got a question for you. How like when you're when you're laying out this album, did you is there a conscious thought into like how each track is structured? Because like when I was listening to it, yeah, and like I was like, like I think this is my favorite track, and then I noticed that I was like, like eight tracks in, and you know, it just it flowed so well. Like, is it, do you give a do you give a long thought process to how like the the album's going to kind of flow like that? Yeah, like the overall like um, story arc of the album itself, and because yeah, and like I've listened to almost like seventy percent of it before I even realized I was past track one. yeah i mean it's it i think it is really important to consider um like if you want this to be like a solid uh solitary like single kind of piece of art that people listen from beginning to end uh it is important to put like little breaks if you want to call them that uh so one one example of doing that would be the lawn lawn ranch track which was arranged by Kristen negus and patty rudisil um and featured jake mccoy on guitar um, like that was the only track on the album besides the piano solo that didn't use the full orchestra. And so in doing that, we kind of give listeners a break, uh, a chance to listen to something maybe a little different, but also it gives Lon Lon Ranch this more laid back kind of feeling to it. And um, like you can apply that that line of thinking to the rest of the album, uh, which is also based chrono- chronologically on the events of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, figuring figuring out sort of the the chronology of tracks and sort of as they progress, especially with energy levels, that's actually one of my favorite things. And there's there's a whole lot of that got thought that goes into that, especially with some of the larger albums that Material Collective's working on. Um, you know, with with eighty seven track albums, it's a little bit more difficult to sort of instill one gigantic arc <laughs> uh, spanning multitudes of contributors and uh, genres and everything. But um, I, I I really sort of like. Well, I always think that that's. Oh yeah, go. So, sorry, I was just gonna say the only like I always think that that's a really uh, it, it's a good indication of, of a good album when you're when you're listening to it and you've mm-hmm. been listening to it for a long time you just don't realize how long you've been listening to it it just exactly it, it's got that it's got that flow in the ups and downs that just kind of yes it, it can kind of just take you almost with it mm-hmm. yeah if there's a seamlessness to the listening experience uh, it mm-hmm. just works I mean the the album is slowly dying I would say uh, sort of as streaming picks up and you know even digital downloads are you know on their on their way down now um but still sort of having like here's the curated experience that we want you to experience uh like sort of having having that understanding that this is a put together product and it's supposed to be consumed in this mm-hmm. way i think that makes it all the more special especially given its rarity yeah mm-hmm. uh, and, and when they like flow that each track flows into each other um i think that that's something you don't see a lot a lot some like it's it's more of a concept album type thing, um, kind of like what you saw way back in the day of like the Who or even mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like with with the like it's Radiohead's done some good 
yeah concept mm-hmm. albums or even even the proto men stuff like that it's, it's rare to come by uh so when we see stuff like this in the hero of time it really is something special um where each track kind of like leads into the next even though there are um short breaks like you said eric it, it's it's definitely something different um so i guess what what inspired you to do something like that as opposed to uh each track kind of being its own separate entity so this also kind of comes back to experience from prior projects uh like twilight symphony was kind of the same thing where we had this massive story to tell and we really wanted to have uh the arc spaced out appropriately and have each track tell a certain part of the story uh and that's in contrast to what we did with the Pokemon album, which was more of a compilation best of hits album, which was only two tracks from each of the generation. So with, with Double Team, we didn't really get to tell um, tell many stories and have like these big arcs. Um, we did have we did pay mind to like um, the pacing of the album, like big tracks, short tracks, uh, you know. Uh, kind of pacing it out so people have a seamless experience, but it didn't have that weight or that impact that um, telling a full story <laughs> with the whole album, like Twilight Symphony or Hero of Time, uh, like like that does. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, I know it's a little soon to be talking about this, but uh, any future projects from you, Eric, that uh, y- you can talk about or <laughs> give us uh, some hints I'm... about. I mean, I'm I'm always thinking about what's going to be happening in the future. Um, like I mentioned before, I did have a large list of potential projects that we were sifting through when we thought of Hero of Time, uh, but there have been a few more since then, and I'm sure once Sebastian and I have a chance mm-hmm. to, to catch up after Hero of Time, um, we'll, we'll be discussing what we'll do next. And I know, like, Sebastian, I, I'm, I'm sure that you've got tons of projects lined up with other uh producers but any chance you can shout out anything that's coming up soon uh, to look out for um well the next few months are going to be really exciting for material collective um <laughs> I'm, I'm actually happy to share that uh probably releasing four or five soundtracks in the next month okay oh wow um we have a really cool remix project that is likely to be released at the end of this month um if you like uh, puzzle games that may or may not have come out about five years ago that feature really fantastic music uh, by an indie composer. Um, you might have a strong appreciation for the album that we've created. Um, but yeah, lots of unannounced things. <laughs> <laughs> That's a vague enough non-answer for an answer. Uh, vague book. It'll be good. So for you guys, what are your favorite songs off the album then? Like, I know it's like asking you to pick a favorite child, but uh, is there anything <laughs> on there that you're the most proud of or that you really, really loved out of all of them? Or, or even if there's like a sequence that you're that you're really proud of, because like I was saying, like, I, I don't know if I could, maybe Dark Waters, I don't know if I could take a favorite song, but I just like the, the sequencing of all of this, the tracks together. So what what's your, what's your bright spots, uh, the brightest spots from the album for you guys? For me, it would be probably be the the sequence of the first five tracks mm-hmm. i think it's a really nice intro to the game uh the performances were fantastic um and probably my favorite single track to arrange would have been the man with evil eyes just because it channels so much of that princess mononoke <laughs> energy mm-hmm. and um like a lot of the harmonies the octatonic scale runs and 
um, it was a lot of fun to write that one, and the the orchestra had a blast recording it too. I could just see Ganondorf through that window when I was listening to that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so immersive. Yeah, for for me, it's honestly um, probably those five tracks: uh, Feast of the Fire Dragon, uh, Dark Waters, Village of Shadows, Spirit of the Valley, and then Courage, Wisdom, and Light. Just the way those tracks flow together um, is just so beautiful in, in sort of like a narrative. Just you know, it's it's late end game, um, but it's still sort of interrupted with like ah emotions. Also, legendary plates. <laughs> well, my it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting you mention uh, all of those elemental tracks, we'll call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we wanted to include as many themes as we could from the game, but we wanted to also not do what other people might have done before. Mm-hmm. And so to do this with, like, the Ocarina Warp songs, for example, instead of making, like, a medley that features all of them in one track, we decided to separate them out and focus them more on, like, their own chapters of the game, like um, like the fire chapter or the water chapter. And we use these warp songs as motifs within those tracks in sort of a different perspective. Uh, you might even miss them if you're not listening carefully. And um, I think those will be fun for people to listen to. So I, I have to ask, because it's there, um, what what made you choose to do Treasure uh, at the very end of the album. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> um, uh, that was the most irresponsible way we could have used, uh, I think, 10 minutes of time for, <laughs> for an entire orchestra. From the recording session? Yeah. Um, I, I take full responsibility for that one. I was like, hey, hey, hey Eric, yeah, you should do fault. this. And he just like rolled his eyes and was like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the orchestra thought we were crazy when we... When we... <laughs> made them do that but <laughs> i think it would have been fun to to even make like some variations of like of what happens after like the the treasure chest opening uh like we could have, <laughs> maybe maybe instead of having a drum roll and like this really long drawn out item get fanfare we could have uh you know made made like a trombone slide <laughs> down or something you know something stupid oh just God. to then we can mix and match and make a different make a bunch of different versions of it and have fun with it but maybe for next I'm still week. waiting for the for us to upload the 10 hour version on youtube it'll be great <laughs> oh, yes that needs to happen <laughs> just do like a shepherd's tone the entire time exactly that's exactly what it is <laughs> uh, so uh we, we talked about this at the very beginning um but let's kind of just discuss breath of the wild's music for a bit uh so like what are your have you guys played breath of the wild yet have you had the chance way too yeah, much time. so i'm <laughs> <laughs> i'm still very not far in the game i'm, I'm at death mountain and i'm on and i put maybe 120 hours in that's um, pretty far into the game <laughs> well it doesn't seem like i have less than half the map uncovered so i feel like it's going to okay. take me like 300 hours just to beat this game which is great <laughs> it's a great problem to have mm-hmm. um but no, the music is great, and and a lot of people um, don't feel that way, and I and like I understand, and like I don't want to just sit here and say all the the great things about it, but I'll I'd be happy to provide like a another uh, perspective on it if, if people um, are interested. I think yeah, I think I think it worked incredibly well for what it is. I mean, just from sort of like a musicality standpoint, just having tiny little references sort of sprinkled out mm-hmm. among the landscape. Um, even just like you know a single like four four note uh, roll, like a really simple thing. It's just like ah, it's a Temple of Time theme. Um, just as you're traversing <laughs> the landscape or something, um, I 
yeah, it's it's good music. I don't think it works very well for like a cinematic uh, standalone experience. Sort of like as, mm-hmm. as that, that was kind of my uh, opinion of it. it is it mm-hmm. like when when Symphony of the Goddess, for example, comes back? I was I was kind of struggling to think of what they would fill it with for twenty minutes. Uh, I I think you're right. I think it works very well for what it is, but uh, kind of as a standalone experience, it like like the music works when you're in that world and you're immersing mm-hmm. it, but but maybe not necessarily um by itself exactly i think you might get stuff like the main theme and the the final final battle theme for the game um Mm -hmm. because those are very cinematic in terms of how they play out um that i mean i i imagine that if they they covered some of it it'd probably be more of a medley of songs because like you said they're they're more ambiance than they are like yeah and and they work really well yeah context of what they're trying to do Mm -hmm. it it is a different style of uh of music oh yeah so Breath of the Wild as a game, as a whole, is very much about breaking down the traditions of previous Zelda games. Um, like we, for the first time, we don't really have um, music that loops constantly throughout the overworld. Like we don't have Hyrule Field, we don't have Gerudo Valley, we don't have like you know these jamming hits that everyone <laughs> likes to listen to uh, when they're not playing the game. And in doing this. It feels like they the the com the, the composers and the, the the sound team they took a step back from those conventions and they say okay what parts of the game need to have music and they only put it where it's needed and this is this is in contrast to okay we need to put music everywhere like and there needs to be wall to wall music and mm-hmm. in doing this it feels like all of the music in the game is as if it's coming from the world itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. as you get closer to a stable, as you get closer to a village, you can start to hear the music in the distance and you can use your, if you're wearing headphones, you can use your ears to kind of figure out which direction it's coming from. Maybe you hear an accordion, like Cass is playing the accordion mm-hmm. off on a rock somewhere and you, can, you, you can't find, you can't see him, but you have to go find him. Uh, it's just this very immersive way to, to present music in the game. And I think it's, preferable for for breath of the wild it's preferable to have that as mm-hmm. opposed to a, a constant um rhythmic music you know yeah, one one of my favorite i i really sorry go ahead oh, um yeah, one of my favorite credos especially with the creation process is uh you know perfection comes not when you have nothing else to add but when you have nothing else to take away so sort of approaching it on a mm-hmm. on a minimalist level and in that case i would actually say you know the the way the music is in the in-game world is perfect because it is it is it does exactly what it needs to do right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i, I do really like my... the way you described it uh where they needed music versus where do they need music i think mm-hmm. that's yeah. like maybe the best way i've heard it described so far I, I think it's a good approach it it means that they're not going to overdo it which i think part of the reason why they did go this direction was also due to budget um like it's a, it costs a lot of money to make so much music for a game this big that by taking away a lot of the music they they now don't have to spend as much on production they can use that for other parts of the game or um even just recording like the the full orchestra for the, the cut scenes and that sort of stuff um yeah yeah and more music uh, would have meant more delays mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> um, I think that uh, like like you guys are saying that the music does work with what it is, and and I enjoyed hearing like uh, in some of the 
areas like you hear the dragon roost island theme or you hear um zora's domain but then they also chose to go in different routes um like because you're at goron city right now in, in that area it doesn't sound at all like goron city from ocarina mm-hmm. of time um and so they made some bold decisions there and well i, I can oh, sorry you go ahead well i think i think it worked out for them like i think that they don't necessarily need to stick with the same theme throughout the whole like the same music throughout every single game um but it's mm-hmm. nice to get those small homages to them in in different ways yeah, and and I I would love to do like a full like hour long video on YouTube just to dissect the soundtrack and like how the music is used in the game. Um like you don't hear the the Goron Village theme or Goron City theme, but you do hear the Death Mountain theme from the original Legend of Zelda game. Um which was which was a complete surprise for me. Like I was not expecting to hear that in any game after <laughs> the 1986 title. Like I don't know. There, there's a lot of that all throughout the game, and I, I'm not sure people are picking up on that because it's, um, those aren't as popular tracks from the series. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to do a video like that, we'll put it right up on the site and we'll get that out for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah. So I got, um, I got. Uh, sorry, Alfred. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You, you go. Uh, I'm just gonna throw an off the wall question at you guys. Um, like. What are some of your like favorite uh, video game tracks of all time? It's it's funny that uh, it's called the Materia Collective because like one of my favorite pieces of music ever, and one of the tracks that I first really remember hearing and being like, "This is awesome," was uh, I, I think the track is called "You Can Hear the Planets Cry." It's from Final ah, Fantasy yes. VII in the City of the Ancients or the Forgotten City, mm-hmm. and that that was like, "Wow, this is an awesome track." And then I heard the Forest Temple from Ocarina of Time, and I was like, "Wow." Oh, this is an amazing track. So I'm just wondering if you have any like tracks like that that you kind of hold near and dear to you. You go ahead, <laughs> Sebastian. That's that's really interesting. I mean, Final Fantasy VII has such fantastic music. Um, if if you haven't listened to uh, Materia, definitely check it out. Um, one one of my all time favorite tracks is "Those Who Fight" uh, the Takao Monotachi, and I, especially for the piano, uh, the piano collections version of that song blows me away every time just um how i I don't have any like i I can't grasp into like my chest of like musicality and like figure out like ah you know the light motifs here and the harmonic analysis thereof (laughs) henceforth it is good and it's no just like i i'm at a loss i just drop all of those tools and just like i i just sit there and i'm happy when i listen to the track um and then very different side of the spectrum is uh, Apotheosis from Journey by Osmond awesome Tori. Holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah, Journey soundtrack is one to behold if you've never listened to that before. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for me to pick individual tracks, but I can say specific scores. Let's <laughs> <laughs> cheat um, and say that. <laughs> I, I'm going to cheat. And um, I mean, I have a lot of favorites, but what I can just think off the top of my head, um, John Debney wrote the score for a game, uh, I don't know how many years ago, but it's for PlayStation something, and it's called Lair. Um, it's like, I'm not sure what type of game it is. I've never played it. I haven't seen any videos, but I've listened to John Debney's score for it. Uh, John Debney does a lot of films, um, and it's fantastic. Like there, There's so much brass. Um, there's so much, like, great orchestration uh there's a there's a lot that can be studied from that music um on the nintendo side of things um i'm really big fan of the kid icarus uprising soundtrack Mm -hmm. um 
it, yeah. It, yeah that <laughs> i think it came out 2013 uh and i think it's still uh one of the best soundtracks since mario galaxy in 2008 oh yeah that, that is a fantastic soundtrack i fell in love with it the minute i heard it it was just it was unexpected that whole game was unexpected mm-hmm. The soundtrack, like for Kid Icarus Uprising, it's like this combination of uh, orchestra, mostly orchestra. There's also a lot of rock, a lot of drums, a lot of synths. Um, it, it, there's something for everyone, and it's it covers such a wide range of styles that uh, it's just such a great listen to. So, in terms of, I guess we we talked about games. What about movie soundtracks? Just out of curiosity, as I know, I know Eric, you said Princess Mononoke. Yeah, Princess Mononoke. Uh, I like to listen to a lot of Jerry Goldsmith. Um, he's one of my favorite film composers. Like, it, it's hard just to pick specific works because, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, John Williams, of course. Oh yeah. Um, John Debney, uh, Howard Shore. Um, I'm on a Peter Pan kick right now, so I'm listening to Benjamin Walfish, and uh, he did the score for I think J. M. Barry's Peter Pan. And then, of course, also Hook, because what's not to love? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on a big uh, Lord of the Rings kick lately, so I've been listening to that okay. soundtrack quite a bit. Mm. That's, that's got to be my uh, my all-time favorite. Fantastic. Great that, that was Howard Shore, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you guys have talked about, uh, like, y- y- you said your end game kind of is a movie soundtrack, so uh, just kind of what kind of movie would you want to make the soundtrack for? Well, I'll change the question a little bit uh, and gear it more towards games. I feel like um, having worked on both films and games in the past that I prefer the games mm-hmm. so far. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's subject to change, of course, and it depends entirely on who's making the film or who's making the game. Um, but yeah, I feel like games are still... Project? What? Like, basically, what's your dream project? Well, so... In, in video games, when writing for music, there's a lot more like uncharted territory, especially now with VR. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people, a lot of really great composers right now uh, who are working to try to figure out what works and what doesn't work for VR. And like they're kind of pioneering this whole new genre. Um, and that's pretty exciting because it gives composers a lot more freedom to, to make music that's interactive and find new ways to do that as opposed to with film uh the the picture is what you need to basically worship right everything is about the picture and it's you you have more you're you're more confined <clears throat> which in a sense makes it easier to write for film not that i'm saying it is for everyone or in general but um i would like to write i mean let's just let's say the highest goal that i have would be to write music for a zelda game how's that <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll yeah. sum it up <clears throat> Because, you know, I hear uh, different things when I listen to um, the album, and I have listened to it several times. Um, and so, like, you talked about a lot of Japanese composers. Um, have you taken any inspiration from more Western composers? Yeah, so um, let me think. Let me get the track list because I can't even remember the album now. <laughs> um yeah, so like, there's even inspiration from Chad Sider, who composed last year the score for Microsoft's game Recore, mm-hmm. um, that I got to to help with the music preparation of, and some of that makes its way in mostly because we started this right after we finished writing the score for the game, 
Um, let's see, what else is there? I'm trying to remember. Uh, there's a little bit of like Game of Thronesy type stuff in there. Um, the track "Village of Shadows" is um, may or, was may or may not have been written while I was in the middle of watching the show Stranger Things on Netflix. <laughs> oh, and, I love um, the music for that. Yeah, I mean, like it's not so much the music that inspired me for "Village of Shadows" as much as like the concept of like the the upside mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. and and so like that makes its way into the track in in a number of ways. Um, not necessarily musically, but uh, conceptually and inspirationally thinking. Okay. So I think I don't really have too many more questions. Um, just any any closing things that you guys want to say, anything to look out for? I know we already talked about uh, future projects, mm-hmm. but uh, anything you want to tell anyone while you're here? I, well, this, this was a lot of fun and sort of the... I mean, looking back on it, I mean, I've been involved with video game music for the last decade at least. Something like this, of this size and of this caliber, would have never been possible a decade ago. I mean, it just sort of goes to show, you know, what what is now possible with, you know, the community, the understanding that video game music is important and that it's worth something supporting. And of course, also, you know, the generous support of like the video game music community, the entire Zelda community. Like, we had over a thousand backers who said, yes, we want to make this thing happen. So, I mean, with, with that knowledge, um, I mean, nothing, nothing is really impossible anymore. So it's just sort of a, you know, you're only really limited by your inspirations and your creative output. So with that in mind, I'm super excited about the next projects. <laughs> <laughs> projects. <laughs> Multitudes of them. Yeah, I mean, just thanks to everyone for, for supporting Hero of Time and making this sort of project possible. Um, we'd love to do a lot more of this in the future. It'd be even cooler to do them you know, in a more official capacity. Um, Hero of Time is a licensed album, and we do pay Nintendo royalties for the use of their music. Um, and, I mean, if you're interested in listening to the album, uh, again, it's on Spotify for free, or you can buy it on Bandcamp, iTunes, uh, Google Music, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, check it out. Or if you're one of those people like me, you can also get it on vinyl through Bandcamp. Uh, yes, that's right. Well, not through Bandcamp, but or through I am eight bit. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It's it. The link. I think the link is maybe on Bandcamp somewhere, which is how I got to it. Yeah, okay. it's been. But it's been super yeah. cool working with I am eight bit for uh, vinyl editions for this. Mm-hmm. And. But yes, we have CDs, we have vinyl, it's digital, you can stream it. It is literally impossible for you not to listen to it. Go do it. <laughs> <laughs> Go do and it now. For anyone out there, like this album is awesome. If you played Ocarina of Time growing up like me, and that was kind of your gateway to the Zelda franchise, this album will give you the feels, you're going to love it, and you should support it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Go, yeah, thanks, guys. Go check it out. Go get it. Um, it's wonderful. Thank you guys for being on the show. Thank, thank you, for you having so very much for having us. It's great having you. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week um, on the show. Same time, same bat channel. Bye. Until then. Cheers.